Fernandos. Och kom bort. Hela Brasku. Welcome to Norway. You're American? Yeah. Hi. Hello. I can't believe we inherited this place. Middle of nowhere. There's something in the barn. What do you mean something? So what do you think happened? Probably some kids. Ooh. That's a barn elf. Are they real? Oh my God! <laughs> Yes. First off, the barn elf doesn't like changes to the farm. That looks good. Secondly, he hates bright artificial light. What do you think? And he hates loud noises. Ha, 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 ha. Huh? activate. No! This is really bad. You're in Norway now, okay? Nothing bad ever happens here. What's going on here? We are under attack. Where's your gun? I don't have a gun. What? what? This isn't Detroit, Bill. What on earth did you do to make them so mad? We broke all the rules. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to swipe this area for fingerprints and then I'll call the forensics and... Uh... Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike and joining me as always it's Mr. Venom. What's up Venom? Greetings and salutations, Christmas carolers. Uh, you're gonna have, you're all gonna have to forgive me because I am still uh, for, for the second time in 2023. I am fighting COVID. Uh, I am not 100, percent but as this is the last opportunity to get this episode out, I decided to bite the bullet and just get this done. So. Please forgive me, I will not be uh, my uh, usual energetic self, except that during the parts where this movie pissed me off, then the, a little bit of energy will probably show up then, but otherwise, how you doing, Mike? <laughs> well, I don't have COVID, so <laughs> did you just recently have it? Oh, uh, I had a colder you had. Oh, Okay. Um, yep. damn. So is this like your third time having it or was it the February, the first time you ever got it? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, this is now my fourth COVID. Uh, oh my God. Stance, uh, whatever you want to go with. Yeah. Fourth time. Second time in a year though. First time that's ever happened. But, uh, and every other time I ever got COVID, COVID, it, I, I was always able to figure out like either I had gone to like a, a convention recently or I went to like a company get together this time, I did nothing. Like, I, I must have just caught it from somebody at a store, maybe, while I was Christmas shopping. I don't know, because I've barely played poker this month. Uh, I've barely done anything this month because of the employment situation. So, I don't know where the hell I got it this time. It definitely didn't come from my wife, because she does not have it, knock on wood. So, yeah, this this one's a little bit of a mystery. But 
you know, I'm getting over it. So what are you going to do? Oh, all right. Yeah, that sucks. But uh, mm-hmm. hopefully you'll be on the men soon. Um, I know from other people have got it more than once. They say, like, each time you get it can be a totally different experience, too. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. Um, also with us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? Um, frankly, not having had COVID once in my entire uh, existence of its presence here. So uh, I don't know whether you're licking doorknobs or what, but uh, <laughs> stop doing that, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, uh, doing good, man. All right. Well, as Venom mentioned, this is the last Fresh Cuts episode of the year. Uh, before we uh, actually, it'll be a little bit less than a two week break, I think now. Um, but our next episode after this will be the top 10. So we'll see what we thought about this movie and, uh, get right into it. It's, there's something in the barn. Uh, it was suggested by Don and Ellie. He had seen it previously. And, uh, as we were searching for something, he just kind of made it easy for us to go to it. And uh, I will take the synopsis off IMDb. An American family fulfills their dream of moving back after inheriting a remote cabin in the mountains of Norway. All right. So I guess it's just been fulfills their dream of moving back to Norway, I guess. Um, Okay. That leaves it pretty uh, (laughs) random and innocuous, like... Yeah, the movie, I, a family's moving to Norway, okay, but it is labeled as a comedy fantasy horror, so uh, we will start with our general thoughts. Venom, what did you think of There's Something in the Barn? All right, I have a very, very simple review for this movie, and I will expand upon it, of course, but my very simple review is every single scene in this movie that had an antagonist in it, I fucking loved. They did it so well. I love these uh, antagonists. Uh, Like I said, every single scene with one of them in it is fun as hell. And I'm going to try to keep it as ambiguous as possible since the synopsis doesn't tell you exactly what's in the barn. I I won't either until we get to the spoiler section. Uh, But like I said, every scene with an antagonist in it, I loved. Every scene without an antagonist in it, I fucking hated. I cannot tell you how much I fucking hated this family with every fiber of my being. And what's funny is that as soon as the movie opened and I saw Martin Starr was the dad in the family, I instantly knew I was going to fucking hate this family. I just knew it the instant I saw him. For those who don't know, Martin Starr plays Peter Parker's science teacher in the newer Um, Spider-Man movies, the MCU Spider-Man movies, and every time I've ever seen him, he plays the same fucking character, an an effeminate, useless douchebag who literally adds nothing to whatever movie he's in, and the same can be said here. I am so fucking sick of this trope of the... um, This family with, you know, a dad and his new wife and his angsty older daughter and his uh, curious younger son. I mean, for fuck's sake, how many times do I have to deal with this trope? And then all the quote-unquote comedy for the first half of this movie all revolved around the angstiness of this family and just their disconnect and everything. And I just don't find it funny. I literally hated the first half of this movie. 
But once the shit hits the fan, and it's a, it's literally at exactly the halfway point. This movie is an hour and 40 minutes long, uh, which is 100 minutes. Exactly at the 50-minute mark is where the movie gets good. The movie takes a turn. And like I said, I'll, I'll leave it a little ambiguous. But from that point on, the movie is an absolute riot. I, you know... Um, the 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 comedy brought on by the antagonist is where the the true comedy of this movie is. It's not in this family. It's not in the locals, the Norwegian locals. It is in the antagonist. So when you're dealing with the first half of this movie, and you're pretty much just dealing with this stranger in a strange land kind of situation, it is just it's frustrating. It's a slog. I I literally would not have finished this movie if it wasn't for the review. But I will say that I was very happy that I stuck with it. And once we get to, like I said, that catalyst event halfway through the movie, it's a fucking roller coaster ride from there. Um, I do wish this movie had a little bit more gore. A, a movie like this, especially if it's being deemed a horror comedy, should really, really go over the top with their gore. We do get one really great kill in this movie, which, you know, obviously we'll save for the spoiler section, but... um. Overall, I will say this is a fairly well-made movie. I, I'm going to say my the one thing that I wish they would have done is they would have just killed the comedy. If they would have taken this movie at a serious tone, we could have had something like Digging Up the Morrow or The Hollow or something like that. You know, those great creature feature type films. Instead, we get a fairly serviceable uh, horror comedy that is not something that I'm going to return to pretty much ever. And if I do, I'm just going to start it from the 50-minute mark. I'm just going to start it right from the 50-minute mark and just ignore that the first half of the movie even fucking exists because it is so frustrating. Uh, just like I said, the tropes of this family, just it, it just so fucking annoying. And yes, I sound like a crotchety old man. And you know what? I am a fucking crotchety old man. I'm a 50 plus year old man who's been watching horror movies all his life. I'm fucking sick of tropes. I am just so fucking sick of all of them. So filmmakers, any filmmakers that might actually be hearing my voice right now. What the fuck? Why can't you fill your movie with likable characters? And then, oh, I, I actually, I can't even talk about that because that's a little bit of a spoiler, but I, I'll, I'll try to remember to bring that up later. But like I said, overall, this is a good movie. It's a fun movie. I, I think horror fans, for the most part, will enjoy it, assuming they can get through the piece of garbage family dynamics that we have to deal with for the first half. Once you get through that, you're gonna. I think you're gonna. Most people are gonna have a pretty good time with the second half. Um, the the antagonists themselves are pretty fun, well designed. I'm very okay with their backstory. I mean, this movie is basically Gremlins. Ultimately, um, we even get, we even get a few scenes in the second half of this movie that are very similar to the to the original Gremlins. Um, I, I'll just say one word: alcohol. That's all I have to say. So, yes, this is a somewhat fun movie. If you're a younger horror fan who isn't as sick of horror tropes as I am, I think you're probably going to really dig on this uh, a lot. I think younger horror fans are really going to like it. Um, you know, like I said, they're not sick of the tropes the way I am. So 
I'm just going to leave my general thoughts at that because my throat is already starting to hurt. But yeah, overall, a fun movie. I just wish this family would fuck off and let me have my fun without them. So that's all I have to say for now. All right. Um, Let's kick it over to Don for your general thoughts on the movie. Uh, yeah, um, since this was my recommendation, um, I gotta say, I fucking loved this. Um, uh, this was an absolute blast. I, I get where he's coming from with the, the comedy of the family, although thankfully I knew nothing about it, so I'm not predetermined to dislike the disciple of, uh, you know, the humor from the dad. I, I liked it. I thought he was funny. I thought he, uh, was enjoyable. I, I, you know, again, I also do understand a lot of the, effeminate tropes about him being useless and, you know, incompetence and, you know, the wife who's out of his league, the daughter that's mad at him, the son that wants to, you know, do right by him, but is also starting to realize maybe he's not telling everything that, you know, he's, there's other ways about um, working the, about the world that uh, he's wrong about and how that plays into this, which, you know, again, is a major part of the film. So I, I'm not as predetermined against it as Venom is, although I, I do understand where he's coming from. And I, I do expose some of the, the same grease that he does about some of the useless character tropes. That, uh, though, is my only complaint against it because I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I love the fish-out-of-water comedy. I love the, you know, despite how tropey it is, I love the useless dad humor. I, I thought those were really fun scenes. The backstory with, uh, you know, the, well, I guess I'll use the same term as Venom did and call him antagonist. I thought that was all great. And, yeah, once this hits the, you know, 50-minute mark and everything just becomes a giant series of roller coaster style confrontations and encounters, I had an absolute blast with this. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I I really wish I would have seen this earlier so that way I would have included it in uh, some of my shows because this would have absolutely fit in had I seen it before I recorded uh, some of my first episodes for the new season because they do in, um, they do center around holiday themed horror and this one has a very prominent Christmas atmosphere which is another big plus for me because I am a huge Christmas horror fan and yeah a lot of you know the a lot of the early you. you yeah, how am I supposed to wear this without spoiling it? Um, the the gremlin style confrontations um, do have a lot of uh, enjoyable aspects to it. So yeah, it, it definitely kept me invested until you know the real confrontation started in the second half. But yeah, I, I absolutely love this. Uh, this is uh, going to have a prominent place on my year, end of year list as I had an absolute blast with it. And yeah. Um, yeah, some said, you know, how well made it is. Yeah, that's another big aspect to it. Um, I, I absolutely had a blast with it. And I'm trying to think of what else not to spoil because it, it is so hard to not say much more about it. So I'll just uh, I'll leave it at that. I, I loved it. I had a fun time with it. I do understand Venom's, Venom's gripes with it. Uh, some of them are shared, although I don't have them as vociferously as he does, but um, I guess I'll uh, just leave it at that for now and uh, kick it over to you, Mike. All right. So how can I, how can I put this? So I think as far as what uh, I thought of the movie, I'm closer to Dawn actually than Venom. However, all of Venom's criticisms 
like I can't really disagree with what he's saying. It yes, the the family dynamic is tropey. You've seen it before, kind of like the useless klutz of a well, maybe not klutz, but just the useless kind of dad that uh, isn't a very big help in situations. Always kind of does the thing a bit of a goofball. He tries his best, yeah, but he's, he's incompetent. His incompetence kind of undoes at times. Yeah, he's good faith incompetent. Um, he he wants to do the right thing, but he's just incapable. It seems like sometimes it didn't bother me as much as Venom did, or it bothered Venom in this specific movie. But I do agree, it is a trope that's been around, and if you have uh, an affliction of that kind of trope, yeah, it, it's pretty thick here. I also agree that like there's a specific death that comes in. I'm not going to describe it or say what character, but a death that comes out really changes the tone of the movie. Like it has already been mentioned by I think Venom and Dawn about halfway through the movie where it just turns to full on like horror, which I, I definitely think the second half, like once that happens in the movie, that's where like you would really get on board because before that, you could make the argument that it's pretty tame. You're kind of wondering, like, okay, is this going to be, like, horror, or did they mislabel it? But once once that death happens, yeah, it, we get introduced uh, to a lot of things we didn't in the first half, and uh, I agree. It, it becomes super fun, just a smile on my face for, like, the, the whole rest of the movie. Um but yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. Like I thought it was pretty good, actually. Like especially, it feels like a movie made for this time of the year. Maybe that's just because Norway in snow and uh, it's it's a, a good cold weather movie. But um, for the most part, I I had a blast with it. Um, it, it's I, maybe because I'm judging how much fun I had in the second half that I'm willing to like give charity to a lot of the tropes in the first half and maybe the setup where Venom had more of a problem with it uh, personally. So that issue, it could come down to just personal preference. Like, do those types of tropes, are they going to bother you more or are they not? And that might determine your overall feeling on the movie, whereas it seems like we're all kind of in agreement that, that, se- that the second half was really good, so it, it's it kind of that's how this is breaking down. It sounds like the general thoughts, but I like the design um, of of uh, the antagonist. In um, I like where it went. I, I like that it became a much bigger problem. I'm trying to like be vague about what happens, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't see all that coming either. Too that was cool. That um, I was a little surprised in a good way of, about how things escalated and it become a, became a much bigger problem. Uh, there's also, like, I won't... Obviously, I'm not going to spoil the character uh, that kicked everything off with the tone change, but I was kind of shocked because, like, I thought they were setting up that character to, like, be around for the whole movie or at least most of it. So I thought that was a good job of kind of, like having that death come out of, like, nowhere, like, oh, shit, okay, they're getting serious now. Um, but, yeah, uh, overall, I like I said, I think I'm closer to Dawn, but I can't really discount what Venom's criticisms are because, for the most part, he's correct. So it could just come down to, like, the individual person, what the, how they feel about those tropes. And if it, if it gets in the way too much early in the film, 
um, to affect overall score. So I'll leave it at that for the moment. Uh, Venom, back to you. And I, I don't know, maybe if if we do a walkthrough, if you, you might want to expedite it because of <laughs> COVID and all that, and you might not be feeling up to it. So, But I'll kick it back to you for now. Uh, no, I think I can get through this walkthrough. Um, I, I do want it to be known that I, well, by the time the movie was over, I was happy I watched it. I don't I don't want people to think that I hated this movie or that I hated the entire experience. I hated this family. You remove this family from the equation. Granted, there's not much of a movie if you remove the family from the equation. But if you were to somehow remove them, like make it all locals, like, you know, like why do we have to interject an American family? See, this, these are the kind of things I'm talking about. Um, well, it inter- isn't well, I'm saying if you remove the family, doesn't that set everything in motion if the locals who are aware of the traditions are not going to follow through on it? So you need the ones that don't know the traditions to set everything in motion. I mean, honestly, yeah, but I, I also would have liked to have seen more of the cold open like because that guy probably knew the rules and he fucked up too. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm assuming, obviously, they don't really tell us yeah. specifically. Um, the cold open is very ambiguous, um, which yeah. I did enjoy, by the way. I did really like the cold open. I thought it sets up a nice little mystery of what's inside of that barn. Um, but like I said, this family to me is just so insipid. I, I wanted to stab. I wanted to fuck all of their faces with a switchblade, to borrow a term from motionless and white. I fucking hated all of them. And the the boy who is supposed to be like, you know, the the character that we all sympathize with because he's trying to do good. He's trying to keep the family together, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to make the thing in the barn happy. He is a terrible actor. And, and I looked it up on IMDb. This is his first movie. And that explains a lot because this kid has no emotion. I don't know if you guys agree, but just his dialogue didn't match his face most of the movie. And that really bothered me. Um, it, it's not really going to be that big a detriment because I, I don't generally expect great acting from kids when we get it. It's a nice surprise. You know, it's a nice cherry on top of your Sunday. But here, especially because this kid is the main character of the movie when you really think about it. He's the one who's on screen the most. He's the one who kind of accepts the truth before everyone else, blah, blah, blah. Um but goddamn, he's such a stale actor. I mean, nothing against the kid. He's just a kid. Hopefully he keeps acting. You know, I'm not sitting here saying you should never act again. Not at all. You know, hopefully he'll get better. He'll actually learn how to emote. You know, that that's kind of something that actors need is being able to emote, which I just feel like this kid didn't have. So, there, are, like I said, there are elements of this movie that I absolutely loved. I I, I don't want it to be thought of that I hated this movie. Not at all. I the sec- If the second half of the movie was the whole movie, I'd have fucking loved it. I, this might have been in my top ten, actually, if the second half of the movie was the only part of the movie. But you stick this American family in Norway. They don't even fucking speak the language. How do you move to a country and you don't speak the language? That irks the shit out of me. And that was supposed to be part of the comedy. Dad's terrible Norwegian. I'm sitting there thinking, I want to stab you in the fucking throat. And I'm sure for for every one of me, there's probably 50 people laughing at the scene where dad is speaking terrible Norwegian. Again, it's just there's so much about this movie to love, but there was so much for me personally that dragged it down that I can't 
praise the entirety of the movie. Um, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough about the second half of the film. I, I really can't. It was so much fun. It was, you know, it was tense. There's a sled chase in this that I actually really loved. Even though it looks terrible, the green screen doesn't look great in that scene. I still had a blast with that chase scene. I thought it was funny, fun. Um, the way that it ended, I, I thought was uh, mildly comical. Like I said, all of the comedy in this movie comes from the antagonist, in my opinion. I understand that, you know, I might be the minority on this one. But, uh, yeah, I, I just could not stand this family in any way, shape, or form. It just It's not funny to me. Like, I, I just don't understand where the comedy is supposed to come from. That's funny? That dad is a, a feminine douchebag? That mom is a controlling evil stepmother? That the daughter is an angsty shit who doesn't, doesn't want to be here, doesn't want to listen to either of her parents? I, I just, that's not funny funny to me this movie reminds me a lot of stuff that we've gotten this year like bodies 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 and the blackening that were labeled horror comedy yet they are neither scary nor funny so how the fuck are they a horror comedy i will concede that this one does at least save itself in the second half as far as the horror comedy aspect of it goes it's legitimately funny in the second half I won't go so far as to say it's scary because this movie doesn't really go for scares. It doesn't go for jumps. It doesn't go for ultra hard tension. It really goes for more like that gremlin-esque, um, like horror action type stuff. Like, you know, um, maybe not a lot of gore, but a lot of antagonists and a lot of, you know, just running around, hiding from them blah, 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 chase sequences, things like that. So, like I said, all of that, I don't, I do not regret watching this movie. I legitimately don't. Thankfully, it's only an hour and 40 minutes. It wasn't two hours long because I'd be railing against it even more if it was. Um, I, I do wish that the first half of the movie was shorter. I, I don't feel personally that we needed this much character development. I just, I don't know. Um, like I said, I just don't find it all that funny or likable. And I like likable people in my horror movies. When the characters in a movie are likable, it ups the stakes because you want to see them survive. Just like, you know, uh, Don and I recently reviewed Godzilla Minus One. And we talked about that on that episode, that we loved these fucking characters in Godzilla Minus One so much. We didn't want to see them get stepped on by Godzilla or get crushed in a building. We wanted to see them live. Here, I wanted to see every fucking person in this movie turned into a fucking stain on the road. And unfortunately, you don't really get that. Uh, not a very high body count. If you're not counting antagonists, of course. If you're talking about human characters, not a very high body count. Um, which, like I said, for a horror comedy, I expect a lot more death, a lot more maybe over-the-top gore, or at least maybe some implied gore. I don't know. Um, this movie as far as a horror comedy goes, made a lot of mistakes, a lot of the same mistakes that Five Nights at Freddy's made, where it wasn't all that funny and it wasn't all that scary. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. This is, a, this is a tale of two halves to me. I absolutely adore the second half of this movie, and I hate the first half of this movie with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. Just, ugh. This family is so frustrating. And God bless Don. If Don finds this funny, awesome. I'm jealous, actually, because Don had a better time with this movie than I did. But I just can't get around these tropes. I, I can't do it. As much as I want to, I cannot. 
Um, you know, I'm a 53-year-old man. I've been watching horror movies for almost 45 years now. And tropes just wear on me more and more and more. I'm, as I get older, I'm definitely starting to understand the uh, the crotchety nature of the elderly because I am slowly becoming the elderly. And I'm okay with that. But goddamn, this is why when we see original horror like When Evil Lurks, I praise it so much because they took a chance and they did something different. You know, there's almost nothing tropey about that movie, which is probably why it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Whereas this movie did a lot of great things. There's a lot to love in this movie. There really is. But if you're someone like me who's just sick of these horror comedy tropes that never hit, then you're probably going to hate the first half of the movie as much as I did. But, um... Yeah, I think that's about all I can say that's spoiler-free. You guys got anything to add before we get to it? I'm not sensing much. Um, I, I think most of this stuff has already been covered. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, the the comedy aspect, like, I wouldn't say I found it necessarily, like, that funny. I, I It just didn't, it didn't bother me, but it's not like I was sitting there chuckling or laughing too much either it was just kind of, because I, I you know I, I kind of thought the same things about the the characters the tropes it just when all was said and done it didn't affect like the movie as much to me so like I said it's kind of just I guess personal preference there yeah well that's the thing I, I'm not willing to forgive movies when they do a lot right but they do a few things wrong I'm gonna point it out and I'm gonna harp on it because this movie had the potential to be an absolute Christmas classic in my opinion this could have been something like a rare exports where we return to it every year have fun with it but like I said I will never watch the first half of this movie again and Martin Starr god damn it dude get a new character Admittedly, I've not seen every movie that he's in, but every movie that I've seen with him in it, he plays the same goddamn character, and I'm sick of it. Uh, okay, folks, let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a really simple story. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure my partners here will fill in the blanks where necessary, but um, our movie opens up in Norway. Um, we see an old man, and he looks like he's pouring gasoline in a barn, so it looks like he's trying to burn the barn down. We see the POV shot of something staring at him in the barn, something very short. You can see the the low-angle POV shot, so we know it's something that's much shorter than him. Uh, we see him try to light the barn on fire. Unfortunately, he's unable to, and what ends up happening is the thing in the barn lights a tire on fire, throws it at the guy, hitting the old man, which simultaneously sets him on fire and pushes him out a second floor window of the barn. He falls out of the barn. He's engulfed in flame. He falls over, and we go to our opening credits. Now, after the opening credits, uh, we are introduced to the family. And like I said, in the very, very first scene already, these guys are just being ugly fucking Americans. They're driving to their uh, – uh, they're driving somewhere. We don't know if they're on vacation or if they decided to move there yet. But they see a, they see a moose crossing sign. Apparently, this dad is so fascinated with moose that he it literally makes the family stop 
and take a picture in front of the sign. While they take the picture, a baby moose walks behind them in the shot. And this dad, the fucking idiot that he is, who doesn't understand the nature of wild (laughs) animals, decides to walk up to the baby moose to try to pet it. Instantly, the dad moose is seen on the dad or mom. They don't really say specifically. (laughs) I didn't look for a penis. But um, uh, the adult parent of the moose is right there and attacks the family. Uh, They're able to get back into their car. The moose kind of, you know, hits, dings their car up a little bit until a police officer shows up, scaring the two moose away. And then um, she comes up to the car and, you know, the dad uh, lets them know, oh, I didn't know that the moose were so aggressive. And she said, well, yeah, if you go anywhere near their child, you know, or if you try to do harm to their child, he's going to attack you. And of course, the mom is like, we didn't try to hurt the child. How the fuck is the moose supposed to know that, you dipshit? <laughs> it's like, again, ugly Americans in a foreign country. Ha ha, funny. If you found it funny, I'm glad, but I did not. So uh, finally, we, we see the family pull up to, the, uh, to a house um, in, out in the outskirts, like way out in the woods in Norway. And that, this is when we find out that the family actually has decided to move to Norway. Uh, dad, uh, the, the original, you know, the mom of the two kids passed away. We never really get any backstory on that, what happened. I, I guess it doesn't really have any, you know, bearing to the story. And um, we find out that they want to open a bed and breakfast. And they say that they're going to they're going to turn the barn into like a bed and breakfast. And then we see the shot of the barn. And that's when we recognize that that's the barn from the beginning of the movie. So obviously, we're already aware that there's something in there. So uh, on their first day in Norway, they decide to go into town and just kind of, you know, meet people and see, you know, what the town is like and blah, blah, blah. I'm not even sure what town they're in. They just they say Norway the entire fucking movie like there's no cities in Norway. So apparently they're just in Norway, no particular city. Uh, while they're in town, um, you know, there's little bits of miscommunication, you know, uh, more attempts at comedy that, you know, fall flat for me. But eventually uh, the son uh, meets uh, a museum curator. Uh, he has a museum there for, you know, just like old Norway. We never actually get to see the museum until the end of the movie, but... um. Uh, the kid sees a statue, and he asks the guy, what is that? And the, and the guy tells him, well, it's a barn elf. And, of course, the kid is curious and asks him what a barn elf is. And he's like, oh, there's a legend here that, uh, you know, um, that if you have a barn elf, uh, that you can, like, be nice to them, provide them with snacks and food, and that they'll be helpful on the farm, that they'll actually do things for the farmer. But if you do things that upset the uh, the barn elf, that he will take his revenge on the farmer or the family, blah, blah, blah. And this is where the movie starts to turn into Gremlins because then we find out what the rules are. And just like with Gremlins, there's three rules uh, to being with the, to, to cohabitating with a barn elf. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the first rule is they don't like bright lights. Hmm. Sound familiar? Uh, the second rule is they don't like loud noises. That's a new one. And then the third rule is they don't like change. And remember, 
this family moved here to turn this barn into a bed and breakfast. So I'm sure you can all see where this is going. So eventually one night the kid goes out into the barn and discovers that there actually is a barn elf in there. And he's an adorable little guy. He looks like a little miniature Santa Claus. He's an awesome little dude. Uh, the kid gives him a chocolate chip cookie, instantly makes friends with him. Um, he accidentally scares him when, remember I said loud noises tend to scare them. Uh, another thing that I that bothered me about this movie is that it breaks its own rules, but I'll get to that. Uh, remember the rules that we've been talking about, because the movie breaks almost all of them. Anyway, um, whew, I'm sorry, folks, I'm sweating my ass off here. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see. So after the little kid scares off the elf, he goes back into the house. The next morning, uh, overnight, there was a snowstorm. So the next morning, the dad goes to plow the driveway to clear the snow from the walkway in the driveway, and he goes out to discover it's already been done. The car has been cleared of snow. The driveway has been plowed. The walkway, the porch, like everything is cleared off. And the dad doesn't even question any of his kids. The mom ends up thinking that it's like a public service of, you know, Norway, that like they're going to go around and plow every single person's driveway. It snows every other day in Norway, so I can't imagine that would be cost effective. But um, they just chalk it up as, oh, whatever. Um, the next night, the the barn elf actually um, grows a pair of balls and decides to go into the house and goes into the kid's room. While in the kid's room, uh, the kid gives him another couple of chocolate chip cookies, which, of course, makes the elf happy. Uh, the next morning, all the firewood is cut. All the firewood that Dad, who – another scene that I'm sure was supposed to be funny, the scene of Dad trying to cut that piece of wood, again, I just found insipid and just uh, – again, whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, so like I said, so after two nights, the kid has been nice to the elf and the elf has been helping them out. After a while, uh, the parents decide, let's have a party at the house to kind of introduce ourselves to the community. And where do they hold that party? In the fucking barn, of course. And that night when they have the party, uh, the poor elf is hiding from all the people. There's loud noise. There's lights. Um, it's just everything that the, that the elf hates is happening until eventually, uh, the teenage daughter who's been sneaking wine, um, behind her parents' back eventually ends up puking through the floorboards right onto the elf's face, which I, I felt so bad for the elf, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure that's probably where the elf started to, uh, develop its antagonism. And then also that night, uh, the elf, like, destroyed all of their Christmas decorations, all of their inflatable uh, – they, they had, like, a 10-foot inflatable Santa Claus that was, like, motion-activated, and it would say, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, loud as shit. So, yeah, uh, so like I said, all this is going on. Eventually, the boy tells them, yeah, we have a barn elf, and you guys are pissing him off. You guys are getting him angry, and that's why all this is happening. Obviously, you know, again, with the trope of the parents not believing anything the kids say. In this instance, though, it's not that much of a stretch because if your kid tells you that you have a barn elf, eh, not the easiest thing to believe, I understand. So I'll forgive that, I guess. Um, anyway, I'm skipping ahead. Um, eventually, uh, let's see. 
Okay. Uh, eventually, the kid talks to the museum curator again, and the curator lets them know, well, if you want to make peace with the barn elf, leave him a bowl of porridge in um, on Christmas Eve. This scene was actually funny with the with the local guy trying to explain to this kid what porridge is, because you know this kid's a modern kid; he doesn't know what the fuck porridge is. Um, so once explaining to the kid what porridge is, he lets him know you got to leave a bowl of porridge in the barn um, on Christmas Eve, and that will appease, you know, that's like a peace offering for the house, uh, for the barn elf, excuse me. That night, Christmas Eve, the, the night of Christmas Eve, Dad, in, in his infinite fucking wisdom, decides to make one of the most vile dishes ever created in humanity. I've known about lutefisk my entire life. I remember when I was a kid, uh, somebody made me try it, and I threw up. That's not an exaggeration. I literally threw up. For those who don't know, lutefisk is a type of fish that's um, it's soaked in lye for a couple of days until it turns gelatinous. You're literally eating fish jelly. That's what lutefisk is. It's fucking awful. One of the worst foods on the planet. Anyway, in the, Dad's infinite... The, cl- the, the, cl- oh. the closest I've had to that is probably like uh, gefilte fish out of the jar. Gefilte um. fish is a fucking delicacy compared to lutefisk. <laughs> I'm not yeah, kidding. Yeah, there's, like ge- there's some like jelly, gelatin like in the jar with it, but you still take actual pieces of fish out of it. Exactly, right. Whereas lutefisk is literally just gelatinized fish. It's fucking awful. So anyway... Uh, we see a scene during the day where the kid makes the big bo- he makes a big bowl of porridge uh, as per the instructions from the museum creator, and he puts it in the refrigerator. Like I said, that night, Christmas Eve, Dad decides to experiment with lutefisk, serves it to the family. Nobody wants to eat it. Even Dad takes a bite out of it and spits it right back on his plate, realizing what he had done. Later that evening, the kid is going to the kitchen to go get the bowl of porridge that he made for the barn elf, and he finds Dad eating the porridge. And the dad is like, well, I was hungry. Well, no shit, you were hungry. You made fucking fish jello for dinner. Anyway, uh, the kid gets upset because he's like, that's for the barn elf. That was our peace offering. Why did you eat that? And, and you know, the dad, of course, is like, yeah, whatever, barn elf, Okay. At that point, the kid doesn't know what to do, so he figures, since the barn elf is actually Norwegian, that maybe he actually likes lutefisk, so he actually brings him out a plate and leaves that on Christmas Eve for the elf. The elf takes one bite of it and just instantly, I mean, his eyes turn black and his teeth turn into fucking daggers. It's kind of funny, actually. It's almost like a werewolf transformation where, you know, the, the, the barn elf was this adorable little guy. And then as soon as he eats the lutefisk, he just turns into a fucking demon, basically goes and starts to attack the family. And I'm talking, this guy has no regard for self. He's just like, fuck it. I'm going to kill this family before he actually goes into the house to kill the family, though. We do get our first real kill of the movie where one of the locals that the family became friends with, uh, they made it, the dad made an agreement with them to be Santa Claus, to be like Santa, to pretend to be Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. So he shows up Christmas Eve after the elf has eaten the lutefisk. And of course, he has the unfortunate 
uh, luck of running into the elf after he's pissed off. When he first sees the elf, he thinks that it's Lucas, the son. So he follows him around the barn. Once he realizes that it's not Lucas, we see the elf with a sledgehammer hitting the side of the barn. And we're wondering, what the hell is he doing? Suddenly you hear a crack from above. Uh, the guy, still in a Santa Claus outfit, looks up, and of course a giant icicle comes right down. We don't actually see the impact, unfortunately, but later in the film we do see his body hanging up in the barn, or outside of the barn, by Christmas lights. And you could see that the the icicle went into his mouth and right through his head. So that was not bad for the first kill of the movie. After this, uh, the elf decides to go into the house. Um, you know, there's a bunch more attempts at comedy with the dad sneaking around the house trying to investigate the strange noises that he's hearing in the kitchen. Finally, uh, they get into the car. Uh, once the dad finds dead Santa Claus at the barn, he realizes that, oh, shit, Lucas might be telling the truth. So let's get the hell out of here. But by this point, it's too late because uh, the elf is already on his rampage. They eventually get out to the car. The car won't start. The elf jumps on the car, starts smashing the windshield with the sledgehammer until eventually uh, the mom... Uh, turns on the wiper fluid on the car, which somehow hits the elf in the face. That's kind of odd because that's not where the washer fluid is supposed to go. But again, whatever. Um, the elf falls down in front of the car. The dad turns the lights on and instantly the elf is kind of knocked out. Like the lights hit him right in the face and he just falls over. Not dead, obviously, but just he's knocked out. They end up uh, they end up getting out of the car to go see if he's, you know, dead or incapacitated or whatever. And this, my friends, is where the movie gets kicked into gear. Because just as the elf comes to, he sees the mom and dad standing above him. And he lets out this banshee-like guttural screech that you can hear throughout the entire valley. They actually show the camera pan out and the entire valley can hear the fucking scream. S suddenly you start hearing commotion in the barn and suddenly the barn doors open and like a dozen more fucking barn elves come out and start attacking the family. Like I said, this, this is where the movie just gets awesome from this point on, I'm on board. I'm loving every second of it, especially because I'm hoping that the family fucking gets killed because I fucking hate every one of them. Um, <laughs> eventually, we get a siege where the, the barn elves get into the house, attack the family, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, eventually, they trap the family upstairs in their house and... Uh, the family kind of locks themselves in one of the bedrooms upstairs. In the me meantime, the elves find the liquor cabinet. And this is where it turns into that bar scene in Gremlins. Suddenly, they're all drinking. They're all having a good time. They turn on the music. This is the scene where they literally break all the rules. All the lights in the house are on. They're not even dimmed. They're literally all on. But they don't seem to bother the elves. Uh, they've got music playing loud, and they're all dancing. I guess alcohol changes all the rules, huh? just like in real life. Anyway, um, yeah, 
Uh, well, where are we here? I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> I'm, I'm really uh, the party. Uh, yeah, yeah, the party. Um, basically, after the party, eventually, all of the elves get really, really drunk, and they end up all passing out, and they fall asleep out in. They're, they're still in the house. They're in the living room of the house. There's still a couple of them outside, like, not drinking as much, kind of cavorting and doing elf shit, whatever it is that they do. Um, eventually, the mom comes out of the bedroom. Oh, what ends up happening? That's right. Uh, dad and the son end up escaping the house through the bedroom window to try to get help. They decide to go down the street to the museum curator's house. He He happens to live right down the street from them. And when I say right down the street, I mean, like, miles down the street. It's Norway. Your closest neighbor is, like, miles away. And this is where we get the cool kind of chase scene, where the dad and the son are on one sled, and then we get a couple of more elves on a sled behind them chasing them, and they're throwing saw blades at them. And now these elves, their arm strength must be amazing because they're able to throw these saw blades with just wicked power. To the point where one of them actually goes right into a metal street sign. Obviously, he's missing all of his shots to the dad. Eventually, the dad and son think that they've lost him. Um, but then uh, the, uh, the elves kind of, they ended up taking a shortcut and catching up to where the dad and son were. Uh, the elf has one more saw blade in his hand and he, he goes to throw it at the dad but at this moment, we see the moose from the from earlier in the movie, uh, the the older moose, the one that actually has antlers, and the kid tells the dad to break, stop, you know, somehow stop the sled. Dad is able to stop the sled in time, but the elves, unfortunately, I don't know, I guess they just don't know how to stop a sled. They keep going. It looks like they're going to run right into the moose, but then the moose moves out of the way. The elves just kind of... Uh, stop at the bottom of the hill and then a fucking semi truck comes by and just flattens the two elves on the sled. So that was mildly comical. I'll give them that. Uh, let's see. At this point, mom and daughter are still back in the house. They, uh, they develop their own kind of plan to try to, you know, the daughter ends up getting out of the house first and the mom is kind of trailing behind Mom notices that all the elves are drunk in the living room, so she's able to actually also get out of the house. Unfortunately, the daughter is uh, captured uh, during the kind of chase outside. She ends up getting captured. When Dad and Lucas and the museum crea uh, curator guy come back, um, the mom lets them know that the – or no, mom and daughter are both missing at this point, and they don't know where they are. But then they see two elves walk out of the house, and this is the first time the museum curator actually lays eyes on an elf, even though earlier in the movie he told the kid that, yes, uh, barn elves are real. He didn't actually believe it. You know, he thought it was just a legend, whatever. So um, they end up following these two elves down to a passageway underneath the barn, it ends up leading to like a, almost like a secret village where all these barn elves actually live. And apparently they all have secret passages to get to their specific barn. I guess each barn elf has a barn and a farmer that they either help or hinder based on how they're treated. 
we get a, uh, you know, we get a confrontation. They end up finding mom and daughter tied up in the middle of this little weird little village of huts. Uh, when they try to uh, save mom and daughter, that's when all the elves come out. Um, I, shit, I'm sorry, guys. I skipped the only great kill in this movie, uh, the police officer. The police officer from earlier in the movie, uh, during the moose scene, uh, she she ends up getting called back to the house multiple times because uh, they keep finding damage that the elves did, and the police officer keeps saying, oh, it's probably just the local kids, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, she comes back, and she finds that there actually are elves there, and one of them steals her snowmobile. And we we see the cop standing in front of the path of the snowmobile, speaking in Norwegian, telling the elf to stop. The elf, of course, does not stop, runs her down, pins her up against a snowbank, and then hits the accelerator on the snowmobile, basically turning her body into jello, into fucking mush. The entire family is yeah. covered with blood. Like I, I'll give the movie credit that that kill definitely makes up for the Christmas star kill earlier in the movie, which I fucking hated. That's basically the death I didn't see coming, as far as it being exactly. graphic and bloody. And I, yeah, was, that I was, was happy about it. Yeah, because I was so upset with the Christmas star kill. At one point in the movie, the mom picks up you know one of those Christmas stars that goes on top of the Christmas tree. She throws it at the elf like it's a fucking ninja star and actually it, it embeds into his head and kills him. Folks, Christmas stars are made of glass. There's no way that fucking thing would have gone through not only his skull and his skin, but also the cap that he was wearing. I remember thinking, wow, that was fucking stupid. But then when we get the snowmobile kill, I'm like, okay, that made up for it because the snowmobile kill is fucking epic. Okay, uh, back to the village. Um, eventually, the original elf, the original barn elf that uh, Lucas made friends with, kind of develops a heart, decides he doesn't want to see the family get hurt, ends up helping them escape. They end up getting back um, up to the barn. And once we're back in the barn, the family's kind of chased back up to the second floor of the barn. That's when the daughter notices that there are flammable uh, grains and, and gasoline canisters at the bottom of the barn, she decides to make a paper airplane, light it on fire, and then throw it down there, which, of course, on the first shot, hits its target exactly. We get an explosion. The barn is destroyed. Not sure how many elves were actually taken out with that, because like I said, it's kind of hard to tell if they were all there, or if some of them stayed back at the village, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but at this point, um, the museum curator and the entire family are there watching the barn burn down, and they've got their little buddy with them, you know, the original barn elf, and we could see the sad look on his face because his, his house is on fire. Um, so they figure, what are we going to do with this guy? We can't just leave him homeless. You know, he saved us. He helped us, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the kid suggests maybe he could live with us. Um, the one thing that I'm actually very glad that the dad did is he literally tells the kid, no, we're just, we can't have him. We're just going to piss him off again. I'll give the uh, I'll give the dad credit for a little bit of a self awareness there. He understands that Americans fuck up everything they touch, so 
Uh, yeah, good on him for that. Uh, the museum curator then says, oh, well, why, does it, why doesn't he come live at the museum? That's when we finally see the museum. And the museum looks a lot like the village, uh, the, um, the underground village of the elves. So basically he tells the elf that he can stay there. The family decides to stay in Norway. And finally, the movie ends with them staring up at the sky, looking at the northern lights, the aurora borealis. There was a big gag about it in the beginning of the movie where the dad wanted to watch it, but it was cloudy, so they couldn't see anything. And, folks, that's the end of our movie. Um, I didn't give it nearly as much justice as it does deserve. Like I said, there's a lot about this movie that I did not like. But there really is a lot to like about this movie, specifically the second half. But like I said, if you can if you can deal with the first half, if you can deal with the tropes and um, the stupid family, then you'll probably love this movie and return to it every Christmas. I would not have a problem with anybody who did that. But like I said, the first half is just a little intolerable for me. But overall, I did enjoy the movie. If, if we rated our movies here, I would give it a fairly good rating. Um, but like I said, uh, all the stuff in the first half that bothered me, to me, is just unforgivable. It, 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 it's a detriment to the film at times. And, you know, all I can say is I hope you guys enjoy the movie more than I did, at least the first half anyway. And that's it for me, folks. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go die now. <laughs> wow. I'm covered hopefully in sweat not. here. You have hopefully no idea. I'm, I'm head to toe. I'm dripping. That would be a hell of a way to uh, start out Fresh Cuts 2024 with having to make an announcement about Venom, so please don't do that. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, folks, I can't wait for this fucking year to end. For as great as this year started, it's been really rough for me. Um, I've had some family tragedies. Uh, I'm not looking for sympathy, obviously, but I, I just really want this fucking year to end, so... I'm probably just going to go to bed until January 2nd and start working on my top 10 list. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it for There's Something in the Barn. But uh, before we get out of here, let's find out if there's any end-of-the-year stuff besides Fresh Cuts uh, for people to check out from us. So, Venom, do you have anything? Uh, why don't you go ahead, Mike, and uh, uh, Don will talk about our stuff and you talk about the other thing because I, I really am about to pass out here. <laughs> uh, we had a No More Room in Hell Christmas commentary special with uh, Don and Ellie as the guest. Uh, so the four of us, me, Venom, Don, and Derek, we uh, had a conversation about uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas, but as commentaries usually go, other things get brought up through the course of the movie, so check that out. That is now actually already up and ready and available. We kind of put that together because time is running out on getting like a uh, regularly scheduled episode of No More Room in Hell out, and we figured, hey, commentaries a little easier to put together on the fly, so uh, that's what we did there, and uh, I think that's that's it for things I'm involved in. So I'll actually kick it over to Don. Uh, what do you got for you and Venom, I guess? Uh, the main thing for us is uh, the aforementioned Creature Comforts, where uh, we looked at Godzilla Minus One, which uh, 
there's uh, no reason for you not to listen to uh, us gush over one of the greatest movies ever made. So uh, go <laughs> ahead and do that. Um, for me personally, uh, the main thing I have is the upcoming season three of Horror Countdown. Uh, so far, I've actually got uh, January and February recorded. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, taking a break until the new year to let some of that rest and catch up. But uh, I've got some fun stuff planned. I've got some good conversations ready to go for you guys. And uh, I am in the works for several cross-promotion stuff with uh, some of my guests who uh, came on. Um, a lot of that has just uh, you know been halted because of the holidays. So uh, we're just waiting for uh, the new year to start so we can uh, get the time figured out when we can get together. But, uh, yeah, I guess the uh, main thing is just uh, waiting on season three and, uh, you know, Godzilla minus one. All right. Well, that is it uh, for the year. The next time you hear the together and maybe a guest, I don't know. I I think we've had guests in the past sometimes on the top ten show. Uh, We don't really push too hard for it, but if – you know, someone's available, we might bring him in. But, yeah, the next time you hear us together, uh, at least for this show, it will be talking about our top ten. Other than that, we're done talking 2023 moves, at least on Fresh Cuts. Um, but, I, yeah, thanks to the listeners for uh, another year of sticking with the show, listening to us uh, rant and rave and sometimes praise the movies we've watched. Um, I, I haven't really asked, uh, Phil at the network, like what or how the show performs, but I know as far as YouTube goes, I've seen a pretty steady expansion in the numbers and I know it doesn't necessarily mean like everyone that's listening always listens to the whole show, but there, a lot of people are at least like clicking on it and it, it must mean that it's starting to perform better as far as when people just search for a review of like new horror movies that it may be coming up uh as like uh, a higher ranked choice than when i first started uploading it but yeah when the whole youtube thing started it was just kind of like a second place but it's taken off pretty decent i think there's like a couple hundred subscribers now so um i know to like compare to some shows that's nothing but you know uh, for for how much we promote it, which is really not at all, it's kind of finding a life of its own. So that that's cool. Um, but yeah, thanks to the listeners. Uh, another year in the books, and uh, I'm looking forward to the top ten show. It's going to be interesting because I haven't made any uh, bones about like my kind of my reaction to the year as a whole. But I will like once again it it seems like there were some movies that came in in like the last few months that have me feeling better at least a at least as far as like the top or the however you would put it my one through five i'll say i feel like at least those five i will be very happy with and there might actually be a top 10 list and i just need to go back over the list because i do have a side list of movies I've watched uh, with some comments that I that we just didn't cover on Brush Cuts. So between all that, I should have a good, good solid top ten with some honorable mentions. But uh, anything else, guys, before we say bye to the listeners? 
I'm good. Um, have a safe holidays, happy new year, and uh, see you in 2024. Same thing, folks. Have have a great holiday season. And if you uh, pray to any god, pray for Mr. Venom. Please pray for Mr. Venom. <laughs> yeah, stop licking doorknobs. Uh, maybe I should start right. licking doorknobs. I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it'll have the opposite effect for you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone. We're out of here. Thanks for listening. Let's say bye to the listeners. Have a happy holidays and ho, ho, ho. See you later. Happy Festivus for the rest of us. That too. If you if you got gnomes living under the barn, be kind, be gentle. <laughs> Unless they like it rough. No <laughs> Peace.